Aloha! It's RJ here with the newest episode of Realms and Nerds. First things first, a couple notes as per usual. The very first one is that we now have all our episodes up on YouTube. We also have them in nice playlists for you uh, to share. Don't forget to subscribe if you haven't already to get episodes downloaded to your device automatically and to be the first, obviously, to hear about our new episodes. You can find us on social media on Twitter, Instagram, Tumblr, and Facebook uh, with both a Facebook page and a Facebook fan group. If you post online about our show, don't forget to include the hashtag RealmsNerds. It's all one word, RealmsNerds. If you like the show, be sure to share it with other people you think might enjoy it. It's one of the best ways to grow our listener fan base. Next, I'd like to formally introduce our newest member to our main campaign, our buddy Ray, who was a guest player in the Darkness of Zarthamus episode. If anybody ever listened to those, is now part of our main campaign group. So this is his premiere episode in the campaign. Thank you once again to our friend Kyle for composing our main theme. We can't thank you enough, buddy. Thank you, listener, for listening to our show. We really appreciate it, and we hope that you enjoy. Uh, this episode in particular is, I think, one of our best episodes yet, uh, and we really think you'll enjoy it. I've been looking forward to releasing this one. That's about it for this introduction, so let's get back to the realm of the return of Ornon. Previously on Realms of Nerds, The Return of Ornon. Joan is immune to being intoxicated by alcohol for the next 23 days. Mikhail drops to his knees, and just as he is about to drift into unconsciousness, he is standing before Bahamut. I can grant you the power needed to slay your foes, but in return, you must give me a solemn promise. Somewhere along our journey, I will ask you to commit a terrible deed, and you must do so. Without question, no matter the consequences, do you accept my terms? The deed is done. So the uh, entire party has journeyed back to Beacon. You all walk forward to this lift in the center of the room, and uh, down you go. They bring forward two uh, dwarves that are much older. They have long gray beards. They take the ring, and they place it into a big uh, iron box, lock it away, and hand it to a couple of guards and direct them to the section to put it in. Mr. Record Keeper, sir, I was just wondering if uh, if an artifact by the name of the monocle of the Tutu Sim might have come through here at some time. I am not sure I will have to consult my records. It does not immediately come to mind, but that doesn't mean it's not here somewhere. Ramash is highly distrusting of this place. He he thinks that they're keeping the ring for an ulterior purpose. He's just not sure what it is yet. You all get a scroll delivered to the door of your apartment that reads as followed. You are cordially invited to the wedding ceremony of Hiram Silver Twist and his bride Matilda Stoneforge. Hey, Zebo, I'm really interested about what else is going on down in that vault. Could you help me figure out if we could use this lighting as a cover to allow us to go down there and investigate a little bit? On one condition, in our time down there, we look for my family's relic. Sibo is going to try and slip out and sort of figure out a, a pathway out, since Ramash is kind of big. Yeah. 
he goes past a closed door and um, is just about to continue walking, but then he stops because he hears the distinct sound of bags of gold clinking together. Sibo has been going down the hallway. He hears the sound of gold coming through kind of from behind the door. So now, Sibo, you are here outside this doorway in the hall. What are you going to do? Is there a, a lock on the door that I could look through? Uh, there is a lock. It's not the kind of lock you could look through. All right. Well, against the better judgment, Sibo is going to decide to keep going forward uh, because... He's got some important business, and Ramash is waiting on him, so... This is a hard turn from normal. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> the higher calling. Yeah, he's kind of maturing, you know, I mean... I... We'll see. Our, his compatriots are just kind of rubbing off on we'll him. We'll see. All right, so Sibo is going to ignore this door. He's going to keep going down the hallway like a good little boy. You, you scout around a little bit. Go ahead and roll, like, an investigation check. Oh, nat 20. <laughs> Alright, so you look around, you find a, a good escape route kind of going through sort of a back hallway uh, into the kitchen, and then there's uh, a door that's actually ajar in the back, and so you think that this is probably going to be a good spot to get out. A door that is ajar? It's an enigma. <laughs> Don't question it. Alright, so you've got this... Uh, this sort of escape route marked out for this plan you have, so you can you and Ramash uh, can slip out once the ceremony starts. You are now headed back, and as you begin to head back the way you came, uh, from behind you, uh, you start to hear the footsteps of a couple of guards walking down the hallway. So what are you going to do here? You can't go back outside, so I guess I'm just going to sneak back into the banquet through the house. Okay, so you are hurrying down the hallway, trying to sort of beat these guards, or you know, around the corner so they don't question why you're in here where you really shouldn't be. And as you are hurrying, you round the corner and run smack dab into a figure wearing a white dress. Oh, uh, excuse me, ma'am. Can I uh, can I help you up? Well, that's about how you do. I'm sorry. How about you watch where you're going? I'm sorry. And as Sibo starts to sort of stutter his apologies, uh, you hear the heavy footfalls of these guards coming up directly behind you. She picks him up and throws him through the door and goes in there after him and closes the door behind them. Okay, so Sibo has now just been tossed into the doorway from which this the sound of money clinking was coming through. Oh, all right there. How about we learn each other's names before we uh, we start doing anything? And I think uh, I think she just puts her hand over his mouth. Actually, mm. you're being far too loud, lad. You gotta quiet down. They're gonna find us if you keep talking like that. Sibo, roll a uh, perception check. Sixteen. 
With a 16, uh, what you notice here as you've been thrown in, you start to survey the room, is that there is another uh, female figure in the room, uh, also a dwarven female, wearing uh, sort of the dress of a handmaiden. The bed that's situated in the center of the room is slightly askew, and because you are a, a gnome who's been known to be involved in some criminal activities, you can tell that there's some been some excavation that's been going on underneath where the bed is, and the closet in the corner is mostly closed, but not quite closed, and you can see several large bags of gold have been stuffed into the closet. Okay, um, I see what's going on here, and by the looks of it, you must be our blushing bride. What gave me the first clue? And, uh, I assume, uh... Looks like you're up to no good. I mean, I am not going to judge. Uh, I'm a man of the crime myself, but um, could I just slip out? I got, I got some... Listen, you got two choices here, laddie. You can either come here and help us, or I can tie you up and throw you in the closet and, and make you take the fall for it. Yeah, all right. I'd like to see you try, first of all. But, uh, look, I can't really... I can't help you right now. I have other things I need to do. Believe it or not, I'm planning a bit of a heist myself. What are you going to do here? Are you going to try and tie him up? or? Um, yeah, seeing as he's not giving me a choice to uh, to do it, I might as well try to tie him up. Okay, go ahead and do a strength check. <laughs> That's a critical fail. <laughs> okay. Uh, so, yeah. Clearly that that doesn't work. So, I think uh, she she grabs Sibo and tries to tie him up and... Uh, is very unsuccessful. He just squirms right out of it. Hey, okay, all right, all right. I'm into bondages must than the next guy, but look, I guess I can help you, but I'm going to need your help, too. I, when were you expect, uh, planning on getting out of here? You saw the door jar over that way, didn't you? I saw you come from there. Yeah? That was my way out. Well, are you going to go to the ceremony? I was planning on not attending that. <sighs> look, my plan's only going to work if the reception goes as planned. I need you to get married to this guy just long enough so that I can break into the vault, all right? What's in it for me? Well, I'll help you get all your gold out. You have my promise, as a thief, that every single piece of gold you have here will get out of this building safely. Well, I was going to have a hard time moving it anyway between the guard rotations and whatnot, so I think that we can come to a uh, an agreement here. Good. So, uh, me and what's-a-face over there will take care of the gold, and you can go get ready to get married. All right, then. Shake on it. Man's word. All right, so, uh, I think you get everything set up in this room. You've got Matilda kind of tidying herself up a little bit. Uh, the other dwarven woman who introduces herself as Cedra starts working with you, Sibo, and, uh, together you guys start pulling the, the last couple of bags out of this uh, hole in the floor, which uh, you discover, after lowering her down into it, that uh, they've actually dug straight down into the personal vault of Hiram Silver Twist. This shows a lot of gold. How'd this man make all this money again? Well, the, uh, his family was a silversmith. He's a good-for-nothing. He pretends to be some big uh, model of... Uh, of a worshiper of Bahamut, but really, he's just a blowhard. I hate him. This is an arranged marriage. I don't want to be here. I don't want to be here at all. What do you want? 
I want to be an adventurer. I want to make my own way. I want to help people, you know, do, do what's right for other people. I don't want to be here. I don't want to be stuck behind, stuck in some house all my life. Well, uh, looks like robbing this vault's going to be a first little adventure for you. I... With that, Sibo and Cedra kind of tidy up the last little bits of the plan, and uh, Matilda is going to go off to get married. Now we're going to cut to in the in the ceremony at this point. We're in the sort of the main, kind of like a banquet hall sort of area of this house of uh, Hiron that's been outfitted to look sort of like a church or some kind of a a ceremonial hall. You know, the chairs stood up. They built sort of a dais at the far end for the, the couple to stand on for the ceremony. And then all over in this room is still more of these artifacts that he has all over the place, kind of these warriors' weapons and other sort of symbols of Bahamut and things like that. So... What do we got for in terms of uh, the rest of the party? Where are you guys all at in the hall right now? Well, Ramash is trying to keep his eye out for Sibo because he knows Sibo's supposed to be telling him where this escape route is, and he's supposed to be trying to hang back. But because Sibo's not here, he's getting kind of frustrated. So he's in the back row. Um, he can't exactly hide because everyone's there, like stand or anything, but he's still trying to hang back just in case Sibo comes in at like the last second during, I don't know, some distracting... Okay, so just basically hanging out in the back looking for a chance to slip out. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Joan, where are you at? Uh, Joan is also in the back row, so he actually is finally at the point where his lack of getting good sleep has caught up to him. This ceremony has been, frankly, boring. And he's actually finally getting a pretty good night's sleep for the first time since he's not been able to pretty much drink himself to sleep. Okay, so he's, like, passed out from exhaustion. Oh, yeah, he's, he's just passed out hardcore. Okay. I'm kind of imagining he's sort of leaning back. He's got his hat tipped over his eyes, just kind of... Oh, he probably actually more was trying not to fall asleep and just happened to nod off. Okay. So okay. it's not like I he was, intended to I was sleep. kind of picturing his head like he does a few Dr- nods. Yeah, and then, and then all of a sudden... No, no. Oh, it drop, goes drops back. back. <laughs> He's like full bore <laughs> snoring. No, no. That would probably draw too much attention. I mean, not like he can control that, but well, I he's think in the back row. he's got to, he's getting away with it, so it can't be too distracting. <laughs> That's true. Nobody's really saying anything to him, so maybe he's just, yeah. I guess we'll maybe we'll say he's just kind of got his chin on his chest, just kind of snoozing. All right, Mikhail, where are you at? Mikhail kind of has a strong interest in the uh, in the ceremony, but at the same time, he's kind of you know measuring how devout this guy is. Because his whole interest in even being there is this guy's supposedly a worshiper of Bahamut. Mm-hmm. And uh, he's in the front row, but he is not pleased with what he's witnessing. It's not traditional. So you're uh, kind of trying to be a, a ceremonial representation of the temple at the wedding. More okay. Or less. I like it. There's no virgin sacrifice. It's going all wrong. <laughs> you're you're actually going down the trail that I was thinking. I'm like, they don't engage in combat first. <laughs> How could this be? <laughs> How can a man get married if he doesn't have the blood of his enemies on his hands? <laughs> <laughs> they don't drink communally out of their equal opponents' brains. <laughs> Where are all the skulls? <laughs> this is <laughs> bodied arms. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> Where? <laughs> Why doesn't he have to battle the minister just to ask for her hand? <laughs> the minister at my cousin's wedding was a centaur, for God's sake. <laughs> and he beat the groom. <laughs> Literally. Come back two weeks later just yeah. for the second ceremony. <laughs> he actually became my cousin. <laughs> uh, man, I might actually have to write in a wedding of a true follower of Bahamut just so we can have, like, just go buck wild with this. Uh, who knows? Maybe Mikhail's gonna find some love down the Mikhail. road. Oh, God. Okay. So, um, Sibo has not returned yet, obviously. And so Ramash is getting really anxious, and like, he's actually just about to try to just, you know, just get out, and he's just going to go find out what's going on. But just as he's made up his mind to do that, the ceremony begins. So he can't really get out with causing a huge scene, so he's just going to sort of stick it out at this point, kind of wonder where Sibo is. Strangle that little gnome. And so, uh, yeah, in comes the bride. She's honestly looking slightly disheveled. You would think that for a wedding day, the bride would try to look perfect, but her hair is a little bit out of place, and it looks like maybe she's actually got a little bit of dirt on the hem of her dress. So Matilda goes down the aisle, they have a a little bit of a ceremony, and just like that, Matilda and Hiram Silver Twist are now married. And so, uh, there, you know, there's the requisite applause and whatnot, and then kind of as a, as a way to sort of show special recognition to the guests of honor, the bride and groom are sort of walking down the first couple of rows where all of the specially invited guests are, to dismiss them personally so they can make sure that they get in and, you know, shake hands with everybody and, you know, keep up basically goodwill with all these important people. So they are, uh, they're coming down the line and going along, and, uh, as the bride and groom are working their way down the aisle, they have almost reached Mikhail when suddenly his vision blurs for a moment, and then he is now again standing in the presence of Bahamut. Good God, Mikhail, my son, you promised to be attacked. Are you ready to fulfill your obligation? Yes, yes, yes Lord Bahamut. What, 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 what does you require? This man stands before you. This is his life and a last figure of my day. He would have professed to do the things in my head, but his actions are full of deceit and cowardly backstabbing. I cannot allow my head to be defiled in such a way, Lord. Strike him down. Show the world that the wicked must have been for their sins. Wicked Lord. Your vision blurs again, oh and you are now standing again in this front row here, and uh, the groom, Hyron, is actually extending his hand to you. Um, in a single motion, I would like to draw my rapier and skewer him through the throat. Okay, so you bring your rapier out, 
and it goes through clean as can be, comes out the backside of his neck. Oh, um, shit. Damn. And he doesn't even react. He just sort of stares at you and kind of makes sort of a gurgling noise for a moment. And then... I would like to whisper in his ear, you should not have made such a mockery of the warrior cult. Bahamut is displeased by you. Go now to your rest. With that, you withdraw the sword, and he drops to the ground. I immediately would like to make a break for the back of the church. <laughs> okay. Matilda looks, or takes a couple steps back from his body, looks at Mikael in, in the eyes, and gives him a wink. <laughs> okay, and then uh, and then and then goes to her knees to try to see what's up with or see if the guy's still alive. <laughs> All right, so I think that actually what happens is after you stab him and withdraw your sword for a moment, the only person moving is Matilda. She uh, is, you know, kind of doing it where she backs up and then kind of, do, you know, does her does her wink and then goes down to her knees to check on her husband, you know, because she's really torn up about him being killed. Um, but after robbing him, well, wealthy widow. So now she has an excuse. So Mika, I think you are. That's um, why you don't sign a prenup, kids. <laughs> <laughs> so, Mikael, I think that you are uh, actually sort of weighing your options here, looking for your best escape route, but everyone else in the room is literally so shocked that this happened that they're just staring. Like, even the guards, just like, nobody is moving. And then... I would like to seize that opportunity. So you're kind of taking this opportunity that nobody's moving, and... Uh, get a good jump towards the door before really anybody starts happening. And once it kicks off, everything kicks off. you got women screaming. You've got guards scrambling to get their hands on you. you got Jones sleeping. I was going to say, you got Jones. <laughs> yeah, Jones. Yeah, Jones still asleep in the back. Ramash stands up and just yells out, Mikhail, what have you done? Why would you do that? Guards! Someone! Stop him! Yeah, I'm not trying to make conversation. I am so, looking at And he's the doing door. he's doing that to try to get the guard's attention on him so he might sneak out the back like he's planning so he can go and figure out what the hell Sebo's doing. Okay, so you're trying to uh, distance yourself from me, Kyle, at this point. Well, a little bit. A little I was going to say, it might play in your favor to be like, well, that's the distraction I was looking for. <laughs> it, kind of it, it took Ramash half a second, but then it clicked and it's like... Opportune moment. I think I think he's a little... He is... I mean, I think half of that is opportune moment, and the other half is... He really is stunned. It's like... That you just stabbed this dude. Damn, Mikael, you hardcore! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, Mikael, as you're making your getaway towards the back, I think one of the guards steps in front of you to try and stop you. So, roll me, like, a strength check, I guess. Alrighty. Seventeen. Okay. Yeah, so this guard steps in front of you with his spear lowered, and uh, you actually just sort of duck the spear and uh, come up and basically just shoulder check him as you run past him, and, it, and he slams into the wall and drops to the ground. 
And with that, he was the only guard that could really collect himself enough to get in your face. So with that, you hit the back doors and you are out of the room. So where okay. are you going from here? Um, I'm going to make a break for the nearest alley where I can see beggars. And I immediately would like to jump towards their wherever they're gathered around. And okay. I'm going to pull out 40 gold pieces and say, Gentlemen. I have need of a guise immediately. May I borrow one of your cloaks for the low price of only 40 gold pieces? Now you get 50 and it's a deal. (laughs) (laughs) Actually, you get um, essentially what we could call the beggar's royal treatment. A, A group of about 10 of them sort of just all basically seize upon you at once and you have almost an instantaneous transformation. I mean, we're talking like they put a cloak on you, they throw uh, sort of like a... a they tat- give me a box to crawl they in. Throw a tattered shirt over, <laughs> they throw a tattered shirt over your uh, armor to kind of cover it up. Basically, they just like almost instantaneously get you blended in. It's about 20 seconds and then you look like just some bum huddled around the fire. Do they put a ski cap over him to cover his uh, pointy ears? I think there's even a bum makeup artist that gives me a fake beard. <laughs> Just slaps it on you. <laughs> they they take a little seconds. bit of mud, rub it on your face. I mean, like... Oh, no, no. This is... So, yeah, I mean, you get, like... You you look about as close to a real beggar as you're going to get in that short of a time. Uh, they, they do is, a pretty good job. Is there an Eddie Murphy uh, beggar, like, in um, Trading Places... That gives me his wheelboard to sit on, like I don't have any legs. Yes, believe it or not, there actually is a beggar out here in the street that looks exactly like Eddie Murphy. Yes! And uh, as you sit there, he actually tells you his story about how he once was uh, working at one of the, uh, in the administrative offices of one of the gold mine companies. And uh, fell on some hard times and got laid off. So he's now a beggar out here on the street. <laughs> so I, I'm listening to him. And his name Pre- is Medi Urfi. <laughs> I pretend to be interested, but really I'm just watching out to see if any of the guards are going to notice me. Okay. So now we cut back to Ramash, who... Uh, he's going to try and leave. Yeah. distraction. So he should have seized upon the moment when the moment was there. Because, unfortunately, the guards saw you come in with Mikhail. So, well, they're not just going to let you leave. They uh, Actually, I think one of the guards steps forward and says, Hold on a moment, we're going to have some questions for you. You're going to lose him. If, if we hit him off right now, I know where he's going. Come on, we, we need to go. you got to let me through. And, uh, Sibo. The fact that you know where he's going is... What we want to talk to you about. We can talk on the way. Naturally, they uh, lower their spears at you. You are uh, you're not going to go anywhere by convincing them. Don't make me hurt you. And Sibo, uh, who uh, at this point has finished uh, bringing all of the gold out of the building and had been patiently waiting in the, the foyer in front of the hall uh, for the, the whole ceremony to finish... Um, actually sees these two guards and decides to sneak up behind them to try and help Ramash out. Okay. So, are you, uh, you trying to kill these guys, or you just trying to... He's gonna try and come up and with the butts of his dagger, he's just gonna try and knock him out. Okay, so just knock him out, make a distraction. Okay. So go ahead and roll uh, an attack on both of them. Oh, first one's a 19. 
Okay. And uh, the second is only a eight. Okay, so you're going to succeed on that first one. So I think what happens here is um, you run up and kind of jump up in the air and swing the butts of your daggers at these guys, and you connect with the back of both of their heads. The guy on the left just crumples down to the ground. The guy on the right, um, the hit kind of just sort of glances off the side of his helmet a little bit, and he is... Uh, stunned, but he doesn't go down, so he's actually gonna spin around and, uh, attempt to make an attack roll. Can I, um, try to knock him out from behind as he tries to do this? Um, I think he's gonna be able to get this attack off either way. Alright. Okay, so that is gonna be a 19 against AC. Yep, that would hit. Okay, so he's gonna hit you for... Uh, two points of damage. Right. So, Sibo um, kind of catches a, a glancing blow from this guard's spear, but at this point now, the guard has turned his back on you, Ramash, so you can attempt to knock him out. Alright. That's an 18. I think you actually just punch him. You just haul off and punch him in the back of the head, <laughs> and he, he kind of just sprawls forward, hits the ground, and he is out. Yeah. So now, uh, your path out the door is free. Simo, where have you been? Oh, I've been waiting out here for you! What? 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 You were supposed to come to me. Ah, come on! We don't have time to complain. Let's go! Uh, Fine. And so, uh, Sibo leads Ramash actually down this hallway that he had scouted out before. The two of you sprint down the hallway, um, mostly without incident. A lot of the guards have left the building at this point. They have gathered sort of from eyewitnesses that Mikhail went out the front. So they're kind of out in the front area looking around for him. They're forming a posse? Yeah, so to speak. More more so uh, kind of doing a uh, guards on high alert in Skyrim kind of thing. <laughs> Just wa- running around randomly hoping that they run into <laughs> <laughs> Two of them fly right in front of us and completely miss us. No, no, the guards in Skyrim know exactly where you're at. They're GP- they have, like, a GPS track. Okay, so more like guards... That's the villagers when you kill a more, chicken. So, so yeah. more, more like guards in Assassin's Creed, then. Okay. There you go, that's more... That's, that's probably a more apt description, then. Yep. Oop, doing a bamboozle. <laughs> so they're just running around. So you guys uh, hit this back door, and uh, as you do so, in this back alley, you run smack into uh, Matilda. Oh, Matilda! You know this girl? Um, yeah, I kind of helped her with some... Helped her take out her flowers. Really? Lots and lots of heavy, heavy flowers. Yeah. Mm. Uh, she's so distraught about her husband's death that... Look, do you not see this... The... the, the... Alright, I'm gonna level with you. Um, it was an arranged marriage. She stole all his gold. Well, okay. But uh, she's gonna be helping us with uh, the heist on their vault, so... We gotta get going. Matilda, here. Sibo pulls out of his backpack. He has a costume pack um, from his past and being an entertainer. Okay. And um, goes to hand it to Matilda to put on. And as soon as it's getting close to her, she rips off her dress, <laughs> revealing full dwarven plate armor, grabs a helmet that was sewn into a pouch on her dress, and puts it on her head, and the cape is flowing heroically in the wind, along with her braided orange hair. You know what? I'm actually going to do you one better. I think that she also had a uh, sheath for a short sword 
that was sewn into the, the sort of the train of the dress. Uh, so she uh, retrieves that as well. Oh, um, Whoa. never mind. Yeah, we should get going. The uh, the vault's this way. Okay, so you guys are uh, kind of taking the, the back alleys, I assume. Yeah, yeah, we're trying to avoid attention, you know, at the moment. Okay, so, Mikhail, you're just, you're waiting it out, right? You're kind of waiting for things to die down. Actually, I'm kind of, I saw everyone kind of leave the church, because, you know, I didn't go very far. Um, okay. So I'm kind of creeping through the back alley, seeing what the heck's going on. Go ahead and roll a, uh, I guess it'd be a perception check to see how much he was able to see of you guys, like, sneaking out. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, okay. Uh, 18? Yeah, I think, um, you actually were kind of, like, around the corner and down the street a little bit from where they came out of the building, and so didn't see them come out, but you actually caught snippets of the conversation because you could sort of hear them from down the street. And wanting to kind of rejoin your group here, you crept down to the corner here and found that they had already taken off. So now you're kind of uh, following them through the city, trying to figure out where they're going. Alrighty. Uh, Joan, are you still napping? (laughs) Um, so actually... After the chaos kind of dies down a little bit, or maybe, I don't know, it's still going on, maybe. He actually wakes up. Okay, here's a question. Yeah. Does Joan have any idea what's going on? Probably not. He napped through the killing and them running out the door. Okay, so what are what is Joan's first thoughts when he wakes up and sees this scene of chaos going on? Tongue at the bar? <laughs> That's what he was waiting for, was the the reception. He's trying again. So Joan is entirely (laughs) uninterested with all of this. He's just, I'm going to hit the bar. (laughs) Yeah, basically. Good old Joan's going to make his way over to the bar and try and just, like, sit there and have some drinks. Okay. So uh, the group of, I guess, the group of three here that's going along, you guys have reached sort of one of the side streets right by the vault. Uh, Mika, I think by this point you're pretty close behind them. Are you going to walk up to them right away, or are you still trying to figure out what they're doing here? Um, well, I noticed that they're right outside the vault. Um, has anyone noticed me? At this point, you know what, go, uh, go ahead and roll a stealth check, because you're pretty close to them. Okay. Okay, so, uh, that's 17. Yeah, I think with a 17, you're not super close to them. You're far enough back that you are able to stay unnoticed. They're kind of focused on what's ahead of them at this point, so they're not really looking behind them. So are you just going to kind of observe them then for right now, see what their kind of what their move is here? Um, yeah, because I'm still not trying to be super obvious. Okay, so... uh the the three of you, uh, Ramash, Matilda, and Sibo, what is your plan here, guys? Well, uh, guys, I don't see any guards outside. That's a good sign. Yeah, let's, let's get a little bit closer, see if we can figure out where to get in, you know? So I think the three of us start to sneak up towards the, uh, the edge of the building. Okay. Uh, yeah, Sibo is actually correct. After this sort of alarm of the, the murder went out... The guards that were would normally be around in this courtyard have actually kind of moved that way because they're still all looking for Mikhail over there. So 
it is it is clear, at least as far as the outside of the building is concerned. You guys have kind of made your way up closer to the building here. So what are uh, what are you guys gonna try and do here? How what's your strategy to get in? What is this what is the door made out of? What is what are these walls in this door um, made out of? So the door is it's a, a double doors. They're metal. They've got a pretty strong locking mechanism built into them. Uh, the walls of the building are made of granite and um, don't appear to have any uh, windows or anything like that. Um, can I check and see if there are any defects in the stonework? Uh, yeah, go ahead. Okay. Um, that's an 18 plus... Oh, wait, I get a I get a proficiency bonus on that because it's stone. So, 15 plus... So, 15 plus... Or, 18 plus 4, so 22? Yeah, so I think with that roll, um... And I think also because you have had this experience with your family, uh... Kind of, you know, just the area that you live in. There are some small kind of cracks in some of the stonework. <coughs> Nothing that appears to be an obvious flaw, but it's just, you know, this is an old building, and even though they do maintenance on it, you know, there's a couple spots that maybe they've missed, and there's a cu- there's some smaller cracks in the wall. So there's, like, nothing that I could really charge through and break? Maybe it would be difficult to get through... Yeah, I'm not even gonna try. I'm gonna look past that and try to uh, try to look at something else. See if we can't get through some clip somewhere else. Okay. There appears to be a few crocs and crevices over around, but I don't think there's anything that we can get through. Oh yeah, watch this. And Ramash is gonna use wild shape to turn into a bear and smash through that wall. Okay. All right. So. That's a critical fail. Okay. <laughs> so, um, I think Ramash turns into this this big grizzly bear, and, um... No picnic baskets here. <laughs> he, uh, he, he takes off running, he builds up a good head of steam, and smashes into this wall, and nothing. He's, he's, his paws are up against it. He looks back over his shoulder at them. He's like, Yeah, there's this, this wall is not just an awkward at Bear Mosh can talk. No, I meant like in his head, he's thinking to himself, like, Come on, Paul, move! Hey, come on, Paul, move for Bimash, huh? <laughs> it's like when Iron Man says, Dude, you're in front of Wizards here. And so seeing this, he will just says, well, if you two are done playing around, I'm just going to pick the lock, all right? And uh, proceeds to the door to use his thieving skills to pick the lock. Uh, yeah, go ahead and roll for that. It's going to be a 17. Okay, yeah, and then you, uh, you begin to start uh, trying to get through this lock. As they do, I kind of break from the shadows, noticing that there's no guards around, and I kind of walk up to them. Okay. And I say, Damn you two! Don't you know that we've done enough thieving? And I know I've drawn some attention, but I think it would be best for a party to leave the town. Sooner rather than later. What are you even doing here? Me, Gael, I should be asking you the same question. You killed the fucking host of our party tonight. 
You completely ruined our entire escape plan, and now you're here screwing up us trying to do this simple job. I'm not surprised by you trying to break in and enter Sibo, but Ramash. So you're the handsome gentleman who made me into a uh, grieving widow. I guess I should thank you. Uh, you look slightly different when dressed in full dwarvish bronze rather than wedding white. A charmer, are we? So, if you're not going to help us, Mikhail, please, get out of our way. Ramash um, tries to add a little bulk and um, intimidation to this by standing on his hind legs and uh, just kind of looking big, you know? Kind of like how a bear does. Uh, Mikhail remembers that when bears stand up, they expose pretty much their only weak points with their vitals. And so I'm actually going to make an attack on Ramash knowing that he will turn back into his dragonborn self if he takes enough damage. Go ahead and uh, try to roll an attack there. 11 against AC. Not going to do it. Um, When he passes, he's going to pass by me. Do I get an attack of opportunity? Yeah, I think uh, as he tries to run past you, I think that you could try to make an attack here. Um, I'd like to use one of my... Um, advantage dice, and attempt to disarm him. Okay. Yeah, go ahead and roll for that. Uh, that's a 19 plus... That's a four, 24. Yeah, that'll Holy hit. damn. So, yeah, I think uh, Mikhail draws his sword and begins to rush Ramash, and as he passes Matilda, she actually draws her sword and... Uh, spins it around Mikhail's disarming him, and also gives him a little bit of a nick on the forearm as well. What the hell do you think you're doing? There's no need to rob this vault. There's no need to stab your friend here, either. And for your information, we're not robbing anything. Scout's honor. Ramash turns back into Ramash and says, We're not here to rob the vault. We're here to check on the ring. I don't trust these people. I want to look into a few artifacts that they may be holding. Well, I can't say that I condone your actions, but I can guard the door. That works. And I'm guarding you, pretty boy. So, uh, yeah, uh, yeah. so you, I think at this point, you finish, uh, popping the door open. So then, Sibo and, uh, Ramash, you two are the only ones going in, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah you guys are gonna stay outside. Okay. Yeah, you guys, uh, you guys go walking in, and uh, a couple of the guards uh, that are inside, as they see you come in, they actually step forward and bar your path. Hang on, what kind of business do you have here? Oh, hey, no need to be hostile. Uh, we're a couple of adventurers. We're working for the Golden Guard with Captain Artemis. Um, we previously bought an artifact here. We're just here to check on it. Yeah, go ahead and uh, roll a, a bluff check on that. And it's not 20. Okay, so, uh, <laughs> yeah, so I think actually what happens is, uh, one of the guards from uh, a little bit farther back actually says, Hey, yeah, I remember these guys. They were in here the other day. Uh, they're, they're fine. They were here with Captain Artemis. Let them through. And, uh, so the other guards kind of move their spears out of the way, and as you walk through, this guard comes up to you, Sibo, and says, Hey, so, uh, about the other night, you still owe me, uh, three gold pieces for that, uh, 
Hey, good, good, I passed you. <laughs> My mistake, bruh. And, uh, palms him three gold pieces. Okay, so he takes it, and he says, And hey, uh, if you, uh, if you stay around any longer, you, you know where to find me if you need some more. Sibyl just winks at him. <laughs> and, uh, he's got it in the guards. Yeah, so I think uh, the two of you go over to the the same elevator that you rode down in before, and, uh... You mean the lower? <laughs> oh my god. It's time to stop. <laughs> Who are your parents? Where are your parents? We need an adult. No more. <laughs> no more. <laughs> okay, so the uh, the two of you get on to the raising and lowering <laughs> contraption... And uh, down you go. And so you uh, you pass by several of the uh, the other levels, and now find yourselves on the bottom level again. As you kind of come to the bottom, a couple of these sort of uh, subterranean soldiers that you met before are also there, and uh, you kind of so you let them know you need to talk to the records keeper, and uh, one of them runs off, and a minute or two later. Uh, one of the records keepers shows up and he says, Yes? How may I help you? Um, well, sir, I was wondering, uh, earlier I talked to your colleague about an artifact that may have passed through here. Um, it's called the Monocle of Latudu? Yes, yes, I believe he made a few notes on the subject at your request. Uh, hold on a moment. And so he goes over to, he's got a, a big shelf that's got a bunch of different books and he pulls one out that looks uh, fairly new and flips it open, and you can see, kind of looking over his shoulder a little bit, there's a lot of handwritten notes in here, and this uh, is clearly one of their kind of journals that they use. Uh, so he, he looks through, he flips back a couple pages and looks through and says, Ah, oh, yes, here we are. Um, he wrote down that uh, we did, in fact, have the... The artifact that you seek in our vaults ex- uh, almost 93 years ago, uh, it was removed by... It was removed by a man named Tim. Uh, there, there is no other records on the subject. I, I apologize deeply. We had a, a small fire in our records area about 20 years ago, and uh, some of the records from this time period were damaged. Uh, it does not appear that we have any other information about the suspect. Thank you. Uh, yes, I, uh, and again, I apologize. We we pride ourselves on the, the accuracy and uh, the care that we take here in this establishment, and I am very regretful that we do not have more information on the subject. It's fine, thank you. So, record keeper, I have a question about the ring. I'm a little concerned about its safety here. It's a very dangerous artifact, and I'm afraid that if someone were to find out that it was here, it would not be safe. When in fact, Ramash is actually really questioning the people here, he's just trying to make it sound like he's just worried about safety. So he then says, can, can I just see the ring to make sure it's safe? Well, sir, I can assure you that this is the safest place in, easily in the city, one of the safest places in the world, but, uh... You said a few seconds ago you had a small fire, and your records aren't perfect. That means your security can't be perfect either. I mean, come on. The the fire was of, um, an accidental nature. One of my colleagues uh, was 
doing a long night of working and uh, fell asleep and knocked over his lantern. Uh, that was not a security issue, but I... Uh, well, what if, what if the guards had a long night? They fell asleep. I mean... I, I, I just... Like I said, we, we've never had an issue before, but I, I suppose that I could pull the ring out again if it would that, make you feel better. Yeah, that, that would make me feel much better, if you wouldn't mind. All right, um, and uh, he uh, he summons a couple of the guards over and uh, gives them, you know, sort of the the code. You know, they've got obviously like a record keeping system, so he gives them the code of the item he's looking for, and they off they go. So yeah, I think these guards uh, they they go down, and uh, a couple minutes later they come back with the the same box as before, and uh, the records keeper withdraws one of the the many keys that he has. He un locks the box and opens it up and uh, you know, inside this bigger box is again the, the smaller chest and they open that up and inside is uh, the ring. Does this assuage your fears? Yes, it, it would appear your security seems very efficient. Two boxes, one ring. I mean, it's going to be pretty hard to break through both of those before a guard realizes <laughs> that you're aching into it. So anyway, so yeah, I, I, I think I'm good. I think I'm okay. What what exactly is the manner in which you intend to destroy this ring? As uh, my colleague, I believe, said before, we uh, we don't handle that directly here. We are merely caretakers of the artifacts. I only know that there is efforts being undertaken to devise a way to destroy this artifact without unleashing the evil that it contains on the city. Uh, there working on a way to contain that, but... Well, who, who's they? Who, if you're not in charge of it, who is? Well, as, as I believe you were informed before, the Brotherhood handles all of that. Um, they are the the chief magic-using council in the city. Um, again, I, I must apologize. I, I have quite a bit of experience dealing with arcane artifacts, but I myself am not much of a magic user, I I don't have a lot of experience in this particular setting. Ramash makes a mental note about the Brotherhood. Alright, um, thank you for your help. I'm much more satisfied in the safety of this ring, and you've really helped me here, so I suppose we're good here, aren't we, Siva? Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> he pats him on the head, <laughs> gently. There, there, buddy. Hi. <laughs> <We're> full <grown. laughs> <a> fucking adult. <laughs> so, anyways, uh, the two of you get back onto the uh, the platform and are the lift and are uh, <laughs> lifted back up to the uh, the main floor. You guys, uh, you know, exit without really much of a fanfare. The guards kind of, you know, see see you to the door. And uh, you are now outside of the vault. The the two of you come out and uh, meet up with uh, Mikhail and Matilda and kind of give them sort of the quick version of uh, what you found out. And then as you go to leave, the street in front of you is suddenly blocked by a figure in a long, flowing cloak with a golden underside. And it is uh, none other than Captain Artemis. Hey, he has his sword drawn and is pointed at you. Mikhail, how could you do this? 
It was a commandment. Those who are malpractisers of Bahamut. Mikhail, I trusted you. You you murdered someone. I don't... Mikhail, what am I going to do about this? I can't just let you leave. I mean, you could. I'm, I'm a sworn defender of the city. I can't just let a murderer walk out unpunished. I would like to roll a deception check to try to convince him that I'm not Mikhail. Sure, roll a deception check. Seven. Okay, yeah, he knows it's you. Fuck. Uh, okay, uh, So how, how does that play out, like, narratively? I, um, I go with my guys, and I just tell them, who is this, uh, Mikhail that you are speaking of? <laughs> oh, don't... Mikhail, don't insult me. I know it's you. Captain Artemis, if I may, I know that you can't let Mikhail go free, but perhaps you could give us an hour. And then suddenly, uh, Sibo has a thought. Wow. Wow, it took a <laughs> time for him to come up with a thought. Sibo <laughs> was not quite as respectful to his quote-unquote scout's honor as he told Matilda. And uh, in his liberation of the vault, he came across a book that he thought looked interesting, and so he stuffed it away in his pack. But, uh, so remembering that now, he, uh, he pulls it out and, uh, flips it open, and it appears to be a ledger of all of Hiram Silver Twist's secret dealings. Well, um, <clears throat> also, Captain Artemis, if I may, um, I believe I have some information that you might find interesting. And, uh, Sibo turns the book and starts to slowly hand it towards Captain Artemis. Wait! Toss it to me. Really? He tosses him the book. He, uh, he catches it. Actually, one-handed, he still doesn't take his sword off of you. <laughs> and, uh, sort of flips it open and slowly looks at it, and he's kind of carefully flipping the pages, but making sure that he doesn't take his eyes off of the four of you. And, uh, he, he kind of glances at a couple of the pages, and then, and then he says, I can't condone letting you go. This, this information will take some time to get straightened out. And he, uh, he kind of sighs. Look. Leave through the alley across the square. I'll go into the vault and ask about you, and, uh, I'm sure they're gonna tell me I just missed you, and that, that's the story that we'll tell. This conversation never happened. I found this book out on the, the steps of the vault. Artemis, I, I must pose a question. This ring that we did return, would it be possible for us to return to the city if, say, we were bringing another item of a matching set? I assume that it was not a singular artifact, but one of a likeness. Often master craftsmen do not stop with one masterpiece. Is there any way you can make it so we may return? I mean, you know what, Ramash, don't, don't push it. I... 
I'm, I'm risking losing my position and everything I've worked for just to let you go. If anybody found out I let you go, I'd, I, I could be killed. Better yet, Captain Artemis, in two weeks' time, a black fox will visit you. Simply tell us if we're safe to enter the city henceforth. I, I can do that. On top of that, I can make no promises. As far as your assertion about there being other magical items, there is indeed a set. There are more. I will try to compile a list, and when the fox visits me, I will include the list in my letter. But now you you have to go. I can't be seen with you, otherwise I'll have no choice but to arrest all of you. Just just get out of here. Thank Rush. you. Yeah, takes off. But I didn't do anything wrong. Matilda, we're going. Come on. Do you want to prepare for the adventure that lies before you, a woman who wore armor under your wedding gown? She turns toward Artemis, and then she looks toward Sibo, and she books it with you guys. So, uh, yeah, the four of you (coughs) run out the back alley and uh, make your way out of the city. So now we're going to return to Joan, who has spent the last several hours unsuccessfully trying to get (laughs) drunk at the bar uh, in the, I suppose, the now former house of Hiram Silvertwist. (laughs) And uh, he's been uh, taking advantage of the fact that the open bar just seems to keep pouring long into the night. Wouldn't it actually kind of be... Um, self-serving, because I'm assuming the bartender probably ran away during the chaos. No, 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 no. No, he's still there? Th- this bar, this bartender is, uh, devoted. Dude, he's devoted to solid. his craft. Joan's gonna leave him a great you, tip. You know what? I, I tell you what, he- hell or high water, everybody always needs a good bartender. Amen yeah. to that. So, uh, this guy is, this guy's sticking around. So he's been, he's been slinging drinks all night. So actually, uh, I think that a little bit into the night, this guy who is fairly drunk, he's been drinking right along with you, and uh, he doesn't have a magical curse on him. <laughs> so he uh, he's kind of been wandering around a little bit, but he comes back to the bar and saddles up to the stool right next to you and goes, Hey, it's, uh, it's crazy what's been going on, eh? I'm not sure. Been here a while. Real, real shame. Real shame. I mean, you know, for that to happen on the wedding day, no less. I mean, what will Wait. come of the house? Hold on. What do you mean, what happened? What do you mean, what happened? Were, weren't you Weren't you in the ceremony? I mean, I was, I was in the back row sleeping. The, well, the... The, the groom, he got himself murdered, and the bride's nowhere to be found. It, Holy fucking shit. They, what? Yeah, they say it was that, uh, that, that elf fella from the temple. He, uh, he sliced him right through the neck, caught him good. Oh, he did. Okay. And that's not all. They say that his, his blushing bride is also gone, and get this. I hear rumors from the from the staff that somebody cleaned out the vault too. Well, I mean, you could ask anybody. I'm pretty sure people saw me sleeping. So, I mean, sad to hear about some guy from some temple killing the groom and the bride running off and all that. I mean, you know what I think? You know what I think? I think that uh, 
I think that uh, the the bride was in on it. Yeah, you know she. Uh, that seems that seems a bit far fetched, my friend. I mean, she's she's foreign. You know, I don't know. You know, folks folks been talking. She's a foreigner. She's from she's from way out west. You know, and we just uh, you you can't trust those foreign folk. You know what I'm saying? Oh yeah, I got you. Not at all. <laughs> That's fucking racist. <laughs> <laughs> And I tell you what, those those dwarves over there to the west, they're nothing like the dwarves around here. They're always just grabbing at all the money they can get. I oh. think, you know what, I bet you, I bet you she paid him. That's what it must have been. She paid him to kill her husband so she could get his fortune. That sounds actually just about right. <laughs> and you know what's more? I think... It's a conspiracy. I mean, those always turn out to be true, don't they? I I like you. I like you. Hey, uh, listen, listen. Don't uh, don't tell anybody. Not a soul. Okay. Yeah. I just uh, I try to keep a low profile. You know, if they if they hear you saying too much of the truth, they lock you up up there in the castle. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So just uh, you keep this between you and me. Hey, bartender. Uh, another another round for me and my my friend here. What do I call you, friend? Ah, uh, you can call me John. John, me bar, me and my friend John, and uh, well, wouldn't you know it? My name is uh, my name is also John. Oh, heavens so, to Betsy! Yeah, what are the odds? John and John just drinking the night away, and uh, you know just. Staying, uh, staying woke in the truth. (laughs) 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 Alright, so... Okay. (laughs) Okay. Holy shit. So does the night kind of proceed like that? Just hanging out with John? Yeah, basically this guy, John, has been filling you in on... We'll we'll say that what he's been feeding into your ear is probably about... Mm -hmm. Somewhere in the neighborhood of thirty-five to forty percent gossip, and the rest of it is just wild conspiracy theories. Yeah, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> so at the end of the night, after John finally passes out or goes home or what have you, uh, after Joan drinks him under the table. Yeah, after Joan drinks him under the table because hey, it's not hey, good. hey, John, I, I, uh, uh. I like you, you know. You're uh <laughs> you're you're something something special, you know. It's uh not every day I run into a run into the kind of fella that's as enlightened as me and uh you know, it's just it's nice to have a real I- intellectual conversation and and he is out. Cheers to you, John. And he finishes his drink and is gonna head back to the uh, house that he's been staying at. God, how much this- money do you spend on drinks right now? <laughs> well, he actually doesn't have a tab because this is an open bar. Tips him. That's right. So I guess I was gonna leave him a really good tip. A tip here. Fifty. So you pull out fifty <laughs> gold pieces and drop them on the counter, and uh, his uh, his eyes kind of kind of widen. So wordlessly, he actually reaches underneath the counter and uh, pulls out a uh, a particularly special bottle of whiskey and uh, 
kind of sort of slides it across the bar to you, and he mouths the words for the road. I lift it up in appreciation, give him a nod, and head out the door. Let's do um, maybe like an insight check. Okay. 23. So I think with a 23, you have survived. At this point, the guards are still kind of in a a searching mode, so you can anticipate that they clearly have not found Mikael, and you don't see any of your other companions around, so you have to assume that whatever has happened, they are not in the general vicinity. Hmm. So, um, I think that with a with a 23, you kind of can surmise that with the, given the nature, uh, sort of the, um, the makeup of the group, that their main reaction, if something went down, would be to get out of the city. Hmm. Because they're, I mean, all of you, with the exception of Mikael, are not natives of this city, so you, you kind of get the idea that Ramash and Sibo especially would be more comfortable with getting out of the city. And I think it's safe to assume that they're probably heading toward, back towards uh, Timber's Crest. Or probably somewhere in the wilds, at least. Right. You, uh, yeah, okay. you you heard them having their discussions about uh, Mikhail wanting to go north. Hmm. So uh, I think you kind of decide that the best course of action is to get out of the city and start heading north and see if you can find them. Okay. Before I leave the city, did we, since we were kind of going for ceremony, did we leave anything in our houses or did we take it all with us? Like, would um, I have to kind of stop there and get anything anybody left behind? Pay my respects yeah, to the okay. fallen uh, hot tub? <laughs> <laughs> you actually, you swing back by there, and um, there's uh, there's one or two guards that are walking around in the area just in case Mikhail tried to come back there. Mm-hmm. But you're fairly easily able to get past them, because by this point it's starting to get dark, and... They're not really looking for you, so you just kind of slip past them. Crazy and, uh, being seven foot tall and easily missed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Welcome well, it's, to my life. <laughs> it's not that you don't stand out. It's more that they kind of have that sort of tunnel vision mm. mentality of they're not looking for you, so you don't stand out just because they're so focused on looking for Mikhail. Gotcha. But so you, uh, yeah, you slip into the rooms and collect all of the gear that you and your uh, compatriots left behind. I think mostly it was some of the extra weapons. I mean, obviously nobody took spears with them to the wedding, so you like <laughs> that, that kind of thing, and then some of the the adventuring gear. Um, over my gear. What? I said I have the nine gear. You have all your stuff? Yeah. Okay. We, Ramash and I stowed our stuff so that we could... Yeah. Well, I'll say we are going to kind of need it, so we planned ahead. Mikhail, for sure, probably left things other than the stuff that would be considered ceremonial. So. Le- we at least know he had a sword. Joan does go in and collects all of the stuff that was left behind. This is um, why we keep you around. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, so Jones kind of... I'm your caddy! <laughs> Jones kind of packaged this stuff up. I think that um, it's actually it's quite a bit of stuff. A little, little bit on the heavy side, but, but he's still managing it. So you are uh, kind of trudging along, and uh, 
you come out of the main, sort of the uh, the more uh, affluent area of the castle, and down into the marketplace area, and as you kind of turn, going sort of northwest to kind of go around the, the mountain and out of the city, uh, you're nearing the outer edge of the gates when suddenly a figure with a black cloak grabs you by the elbow and says, hey, Come on! Uh, oh. Shut up! Come on! I thought... Joe, shut the fuck up! Let's go! Sibo quickly leads you uh, through the crowd and, uh, <laughs> and out of the city to a, uh, to a camp that's situated in a, a secluded spot well outside of the outskirts of the city. Well, well, well. Isn't this cozy? Where have you been? I think more importantly, where have y'all been? I've just been sitting at the open bar. Figures. <laughs> and then he uh, pops open that drink that he was given and starts oh drinking my it. God. Okay. Uh, what is and this is, by the way, by the way, this whiskey is uh, the same that you were drinking before. That's fine. I'd... Joan, could you spare a drop? Sure. I mean, you got this for free. Why the hell not? Yeah, me too. Pass it all around, guys. I could use a sip myself. If to Holy pass. hell, who are you? Oh, um, Joan. <laughs> Meet Matilda. Matilda, this is our giant. Ma'am. Um, so, uh, I think that this would actually be a good spot for Matilda to kind of introduce herself. Matilda comes from a mountain range a little bit outside of the range of Beacon. They supply Beacon's forges with a lot of the coal that uh, they need so that they can keep running. Her mountain actually provides a lot of, like, outskirt defense for the people of Beacon, sort of like a... Uh, a mountain outpost so uh, to make sure that people who are kind of unscrupulous don't come in, orcs and the like. So her people are very, like, everybody there is well-trained. They need to be to be able, every man, woman, and child learns from a young age how to use a sword and how to use weaponry, so everybody there is a pretty good, they're pretty good warriors. Matilda comes from a long line of smiths. They've been smithing weapons and, um, different raw materials that they find in the mountains that aren't coal. They've been doing it for a long time, and they've been a pretty wealthy family for a long time, and uh, now their uh, dynasty has kind of waned a little bit, and she was going to be married off to the Silver Twist so that uh, their two dynasties could be combined, and uh, the Hearthhomes, which is uh, Matilda's last name is Hearthhome, could uh, gain a little bit of what they had uh, back and maybe gain some more power. This was an arranged marriage, she didn't want it. She's quite tall for a female dwarf, she's about she's about 5'4". Um, she has long, long red hair that is usually done up in a, a braid at her back, and um, she is an excellent fighter and an excellent smith. Oh, Joan, looks like you gotta run for your money on the whole, uh, resident Smith thing. Well, I think you should let her check your gun out, you know, make sure it's in tip-top shape there, buddy. I think you should shut your damn mouth. Okay, so anyways, Matilda kind of tells this story of how she ended up in Beacon. However, there is a little bit more to the story that uh, comes out as the, the whiskey keeps getting passed around. 
that in fact uh, her uh, her true love is to become an adventurer and to go out and save people. Seeing as I'm kind of wanted, I don't think that you should use my real name anymore. So uh, would you all be pretty to call me Brumhilda from now on? Brumhilda? Why would you be on the run? How do they know you're even the one that stole the money? I'll answer this question real quick. Um, you see, when uh, Mikhail here murdered her soon-to-be husband, it put suspicion on her in the uh, the court of law, and uh, in the thieving world, uh, everybody knows that if you don't have a good alibi, you've got to be the prime suspect. So John was right. Well, she did kind of take off right after the wedding. And now there's a bunch of money missing, so I'm pretty sure they can put two and two together. Well, Matilda, it's good to, I mean, ow, help. Brunhilda! Brunhilda. All right, Broom, Hin, Handel, Hilda. Nice to meet you. The name's Joan Redsup, the best smith this side of whatever the hell's on the west. I can already tell that I'm not going to like you. I'm the best smith. This side of Beacon. Okay, before you two start comparing hammers, <laughs> my name is Ramash Scarbear. It's nice to make your acquaintance here, Brunhilda. Don't see many dragonborn out this way. Well, you know, Probably we're trying to to ourselves that. a little bit. We already had quite the introduction. I murdered your husband. I know that's not a great conversation starter. I just... I'm not crying about it. Fair so enough. she likes a guy that murdered her man more than she likes some random dude. Can't say that she has poor taste. I'm gonna stop you right there. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I guess since we haven't been properly introduced, ma'am, I'm Sibo Terrell of the Nim family. He's the one you shouldn't like. He's the one I like the most. He's oh, the one boy. that uh, should be checking your coin purse. Oh, there's two of them. Now I think it's probably a good time to discuss uh, what the what the party is intending to do going forward. Ramash. I do believe that you made a mention while we were in Timber's Crest of noticing that there are other enemies that headed off to the north. You are correct. That headed off to the pass through the mountains? They spoke of a three-horned monstrosity heading north, and I believe he fits the description of your Maleocalus that you intend to kill. I want to help you go after Maleocalus as he's an agent of this lich. I think you would do the world a favor to get rid of him. Give you some peace, you know, some closure. That is something I've desired from the day that he robbed me of my closure. And besides, I've been up that way a couple of times. I do live around that area. Bringing me along would probably be a benefit to you. North? Are we heading then towards Wolfshold? That would be correct. In that general direction, anyway. Never much like Wolfshold. Did Artemis not say that there were previous adventurers that released the Lich there? Well, maybe if we find these adventurers, we can learn more. Indeed. Well, it settles it. So, Brunhilda, are you on an adventure? Well, I can't exactly go back now, can I? Alright, so with that, y'all finish off the bottle and then go to uh, take a rest before you head north.